Hello, and welcome to the Global Luxury Real Estate Mastermind with me, your host, Michael Valdez. Today's guest, oh my God, I love, love, love this person. I've known her about a year and a half. She's She's become family to me and somebody that I admire, an amazing leader in our industry, freshly minted as the leader of the number one team in the world at EIP, Veronica Figueroa. Welcome to the show, my love. Thank you for having me, Michael. It's an honor for me to be here and your energy just is so amazing. So I always have so much fun whenever I get to spend time with you. So I'm excited about the next couple of, uh, well, I would say the next hour that we're going to spend together. Well, so, listen, for me, it is such a joy and a pleasure. First of all, getting to know you the last year and a half, uh, first as, as, as a colleague, as a great leader in this organization, and then as a friend who you are sharing your family, your team, your spirit and your heart. I, I just adore you. And I am so happy that we're going to have this conversation. Thank you. Um, I do love that. You know, we work for a company that we do get to say people become our friends and our family. So to me, that's the part that's priceless about what we're doing. So it's so Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And so we're going to jump right in. So this was so funny. So a couple of weeks ago, you mm -hmm. were announced as the leader of the number one team in the world at EXP. I had the great honor of <laughs> giving that award to you at our EXP Con event where we had 5,500 people in Las Vegas. And I got to tell a little backstory for the audience. Yes. <laughs> it was hysterical because I was doing my tech rehearsal for the award ceremony. I noticed that you were in the room because you were doing your tech rehearsal following me because you were interviewing the very great Venus Williams. What an amazing honor that was. And so I'm looking at my slides and I saw you in the room and I'm like, oh my God, it's sort of like the next slide tells the winner of the team and Veronica's in the room. And I'm yelling to the, to the production crew, I'm good. I just wanted to check the audio. You can cut the slides. And so everyone's like, okay. And I'm like, cut the slides, please. And then it was so funny. And then it was really so great to be able to be there and see that it was a genuine surprise for you. And I saw the social media with you, with your husband, Tony, with your team at the table and you heard your name and you were just like, oh my God, tell me about no that idea. moment. I had no idea. Um, I think I mentioned I maybe thought, you know, we, we did good enough to get in the top five. Um, but I really wasn't aware how the awards worked. You know, it, I had been to EXP con once before prior to the pandemic and I had seen the award ceremony and again, watching EXP evolve, you know, I was like, Oh, I don't know if they're going to do it the same way. But last time I was here, I saw them recognize, I think it was the top two or something like that. Yeah. Um, so it's been a while since we were at a conference and I had zero expectations other than I was just excited to be there and excited to see everyone. So when you guys were calling the names out and I saw number two slot and I saw number one in, in GCI, uh, my good friend, um, Daniel Beer and Andrew Franklin, I said, oh, you know, maybe next year, you know, we guess we didn't rank in the you know, top three, four, I don't even know what they give because I'm just excited to be be there. And then when you guys said the Figueroa team and, and you know, I'm like eating my dinner, I'm talking and I'm watching, but you know, I, I was looking down and someone like says, oh my gosh, you know, it's, it's you go. And I'm, 
it was a total surprise and you know it was such a big venue as well yeah. so I'm on the opposite side I've got to walk all across and then it was really cool because our name was up for quite a while and you're like where are you Veronica are you there and I'm like I'm coming I'm coming and that was after like a couple seconds of me just like being in shock yeah. um I, I want to say if it ever felt like and this is corny but at least for me um it's how I felt if it ever felt like maybe what a Grammy award or a Oscar would feel like in that realm for like people in that field. It's yeah. what it felt like to me. Like it was probably the most uh, special award that I've ever received. Um, and I've received a lot of awards from other companies, you know, Diamond at Remax, sure. Hall of Fame. Uh, we've done some pretty cool stuff. Broker of the year in our market where we were voted by our peers. But to say that we are the number one team at EXP worldwide and unit count um, to me reflects a lot of hard work, a lot of commitment, you know, a lot of mistakes that we've made <laughs> having to test things. And, you know, it wasn't a hundred transactions, which a hundred transactions is amazing. Sure. Um, and I, I want to just make sure I, I give that content before I say this, but, you know, to know that we had our hands and were involved in over 1700 transactions um, and still counting. I think we'll finish the year out close to 2000 um, this year. Um, to me, shows that you can truly build a strong operations team around a team, which I think we'll talk a little bit later about Absolutely. team. Um, yeah. But to me, it shows the result of bringing really good people together. So it was not an award for me, it was an award for them. And I was like, oh, I wish all of my team members were there to celebrate this moment. But I was so honored and it was just, to this day, I'm still relishing in that gratitude and that moment, I still feel yes. like it, it was just a dream. It's It feels so surreal. And I was so proud that it was you and oh. <laughs> that I could give it to you. And it was because really it's been, your leadership, not only in our industry, but in our community. And yeah, I know that's something that we both hold very dear. You were also um, in the top five of our NAREP um, uh, top 250 in the, in, in the country as well, in the world, actually, because it is an international chapter. And when you start thinking about the National Association of Hispanic Real Estate Professionals, it's not just our company, it's you and what you've done in our industry. So it's wonderful to really have that. I want to start from the beginning though. How'd you get started in real estate? You know, it's interesting. Um, I got my real estate license the day after 9-11. Wow. Um, a lot of people don't know that. Um, so this is my 20th year having a real estate license. Um, I had just graduated from college and I had this vision of working in human resources. I loved hospitality and I wanted to work in human resources in hospitality, um, which I did. Um, I worked at a very uh, popular resort in Puerto Rico, El Conquistador, which yes. I think you may know of. Or I know it well. Um, back in the days when it was, I think, a prime, you know, hotel destination for people from all over the world yes. would go there. And, you know, I, I worked there and I was just in awe of the different type of people that would come from all over and the level of service. And I was... Work, I worked my way up there. I worked really hard. And then I decided to move back to the States. And I said, okay, I want to work for a company that's just like that company and do the same things. Well, I got really disappointed because I didn't find a company like that. I feel like that's where I got my real professional bootcamp experience yep. um, in service, hospitality, et cetera. So here I was saying, well, I'm going to work in human resources. I finished my degree, um, ended up working for another hospitality company. 
Um, but at first it was hard for me to find a job. And a friend of mine said, hey, um, there's this thing called timeshare. And if we get into timeshare, we're going to get rich and you're going to love wow. it. And I was like, what are you talking about? I know what I want to do. I want to work in human resources. He's like, well, you're really good in school. You just graduated. Maybe you could just take the class with me and help me study. And um, I was like, well, I don't have anything going on right now because I haven't got a job yet. So while I'm putting resumes out, sure, how long can this take? It's a two week course, three week course. I don't remember. Um, he never passed the test. I did. Um, and I'm the type of person that if he I really started, did need your help, he did, he did, he did. And there's a funny story to that. And I'll tell you afterwards. Um, I am the type of person that if I start something, I will finish it. Oh, I, I know that. Um, so I was like, well, I might as well go ahead and get the license if I took the class. So I ended up passing, um, but I didn't pass the first time. It was funny. And then I was like really upset at myself. I was like, I need to pass this test because now I really want to pass the test. Yeah. Um, and I ended up, you know, I, I took it for granted. I thought it was going to be easier than what it was. Then I started really studying. I passed it and I ended up passing it the day after 9-11, um, which was a really hard time, right, for all of us. And I remember thinking, well, I'm definitely not now not going to use this license. I didn't have an interest to get in the first place. I'm definitely not going to use it now. So, um, but then I just decided to like, well, let me test this one timeshare thing that my friend said, um, because I still hadn't gotten a job in human resources, which is what I wanted. And then I quickly realized timeshare was not for me at that time. Right. At right. that time, I was young. I was in my early 20s. Um, I think 21, I think at the time. Um, and it was just not for me. But I ended up working in human resources for a timeshare company and I ended up having a career there for a while and then it quickly worked my way up to be a liaison between marketing and sales. Um, so it was really, really cool to know that it kind of all came full circle. And then I started working in the agent development and the onboarding of new agents and helping select agents for the marketing team in the sales department. So it was really cool how all of that came together. Um, so that was my story of how I got licensed. But the true story was I didn't do anything with it um, other than the agent, uh, I would say personal development, not personal, but onboarding development yep. and career development side of things until I was in my, until I was 24 years old that I went through a divorce was when I said, I need to supplement my income. And wow. how am I going to be able to provide for my children and I said, oh, I got it. I'll do real estate part-time. I have a real estate license. Maybe I could do real estate part-time while I work in my full-time job um, as, in human resources. By then I had moved to an ambulance service company and I was doing human resources for them. I was doing their workers' comps, their benefits, um, yeah. their agent onboarding. I'm not their, their um, employee onboarding and compliance. Um, so I, the funny part about that is that I had this bubbly personality in hospitality. So I went to the ambulance service company and people were not bubbly there. Like I didn't understand it, but now I get it. You know, they're in the medical field. They're working late shift. They're tired. They're burnt yeah. out. They're rescuing people who are hurt. So yeah. I was wondering why people didn't come to work with a smile. They were like, are you kidding me? I just got spit on last night, you know? So, um, I, it was a transition for me. Um, in that side of human resources. So here I am, I start doing real estate part-time on the residential side of it. I yes. had someone who, who took me underneath their wing and taught me a little bit about real estate all while I was doing human resources part-time for a company wow. that really didn't align with my culture, with who I was and the type of service I wanted to give. 
And I quickly fell in love with residential real estate. So I'm trying to negotiate deals underneath my desk, you know, trying to still balance my regular nine to five job. And within three months, I quickly realized how much I loved real residential real estate. And I started realizing, oh my gosh, I get to help people with their dreams. Like people are nice. People yes. appreciate you. Um, they, they, they want you to guide them. And I could take all of my experience from developing people and helping people in hospitality and plug it into real estate. I was like, this is a dream. And I remember calling my mom and I said, mom, I think I'm going to quit my full-time job. And she's like, are you crazy? I said, no. I said, I'm dedicating 40 hours to this career that doesn't fulfill me anymore. And, you know, imagine if I took those say that same effort in that same time and I applied it to my business, you know, I just had, I don't know how many closings and I made $11,000 and I thought I was rich. And then I quickly realized I wasn't, um, yeah. but you know, I, I'd still said, if I give my all to this, if I give my all everything I have, what's yes. the worst that can happen? And she's like, well, you know what you're doing? And I said, I'm going to try it. And if it doesn't work out, then I'll just get a job afterwards. Yeah. That was in December of 2004. I made the decision. I think I transitioned full out by March of 2005 and I never looked back. So it's That's been a great story. An amazing ride. And that agent who ended up not getting his license finally ended up getting his license like 10 years later or 12 years later and ended up working for me and becoming one of my did. top agents on my team. Of course he did. Now I want to talk about the team. So tell me you went through this transition. You had somebody that took you in under, under their wing to start teaching you. You realize you love real estate. This is what your calling was. At what point does it continue to grow where you now realize, oh my gosh, I need help. I need a team. How did you start forming a team? Because probably a lot of people listening to this podcast now will be where you were back then. So you know, what were those signs? What made you build a team? Well, I think the first one was overwhelm. I um, also, I would say, came out the gate swinging. Um, and my first full year in real estate, I did. I sold 56 homes. Wow. Um, I... <laughs> The, we, I, I ended up getting remarried and you've met Tony and obviously we've been together yes. for 17 years. Um, but the week we were getting married that month, I closed 13 properties. Back then that was a lot. I mean, it's still a lot, but 13. And the day I was getting married, I had three closings. Um, and it was like, how do I find balance, leverage? Um, and I was overwhelmed very quickly. And because I was just in love with people, I am in love with people, right? I love yes. helping people. So, you know, I, I believe I had two teams. I had a very passionate group of family network who would tell everybody about me. And they was like, they were my ambassadors. So my mom, again, who's my hero, she would tell everyone, you have to buy with my daughter. She's the best. My daughter is the best realtor in town. Right. So I had my marketing team, AKA my yeah. mom. So she would send me all of her friends. And, um, you know, my niche was in the Latino market at the time because they really didn't, there wasn't a lot of agents who I, I don't know at the time were maybe able to master both market. I mean, yeah. in, uh, languages. And I was able to speak both, even with my Spanish that I don't consider is perfect. It got me, it got me where I need to go. So sure, my mom sure. and my family were sending me lots of business and they were my unofficial team, right? They weren't on payroll. They were just I wanting to see me do well. But then I hired my very first assistant a year into, I was a year in the business, not even a year in the business because I was like, 
I am busy and I met someone and actually she's an agent now at EXP in Texas. Her name is Veronica Delic. She's been my friend for 17 years. She was my very first assistant. And um, she was also, she had just moved over from Mexico and um, she had worked at CH Robinson in logistics. So I knew she was organized um, and she was waiting to get started at CH Robinson here in the States. So I said, in the meantime, can you at least help me. She wore the hat as my assistant, my nanny, my gopher, you know, back then we didn't have, you know, the technology that we had. So she was dropping off papers and doing things for me. And um, I had no idea how to lead someone, but I said, listen, um, all I know is I need help and you need a job. And until your other job gets in order, like let's work together. And we quickly became a great team. And that was the first time I ever hired an admin. And I never went without having an admin ever again, because it allowed me to scale my business. So then I went from 50 homes, 56 homes to hundred homes within mm-hmm. my first, second year. And then I understood the power of leverage. Um, and even with my notepad and paper, I was committed to prospecting. I was committed to staying organized. I was committed to building my business, but I knew with my ambitious goals, I needed help early on. So that was my first iteration of what a team looked like. Then eventually Tony joined the team, which is my husband, because he saw me running around crazy, like crazy. And he started helping with, you know, checking on properties, fixing things on properties. And um, that's how my first phase of growth and having a team look like. Um, And then the real true story of how I had to learn how to build a structured, organized team overnight was the REO market. Um, When the market crashed, Michael, um, I didn't have two pennies to rub together. Just like many agents, you know, we saw a lot of things happen. We saw a lot of people lose their homes. Um, It was unexpected, the mortgage crisis. Um, And I remember seeing the Range Rover being towed from the, you know, the driveway. We went from eating filet mignons to, you know, not filet mignon. Um, And it was, uh, it was something that if you were living through it, you remember those moments. And um, at the time, the only inventory was bank-owned properties. For those of you who don't know what REOs are, bank-owned properties were probably the only inventory at the time other than short sales. So I had to learn how to do short sales. Um, Overnight, I was self-taught and I made a lot of mistakes, but I would pick the brains of other people who were doing it. They would give me a little and then I would make a little bit more mistakes and then I would learn. Um, But I I learned how to make do short sales, but they weren't closing close quick enough. And I had five, I have five kids and, you know, we were used to a lifestyle. And I said, I am committed to becoming a bank owned agent, an REO agent. But at the time it was pretty much locked down by seasoned agents who had been in the business longer than me. So I took $5,000. I don't even know where I got the $5,000 from. I don't know if it was savings, if I scrambled or what I did, but I took $5,000. I bought a plane ticket and I hopped on a plane to Texas to the five-star conference. And I said to my husband, I'm going to meet an asset manager and that asset manager, because that's the inventory that's out there. They're going to give me a chance. And he says, so this isn't guaranteed. I said, nope, but I guarantee you that we're going to walk away with a relationship. So I started um, pretty much knocking on asset managers doors in Dallas, Texas. And I met someone who knew someone and I asked them for an introduction And I said, you need me in Florida and I need to help you. And I want to work for you. And here I am. I mean, my pitch probably wasn't the best one, but I think I was just so determined. I said, just give me a chance. Yeah. And that one asset manager um, heard me 
And um, there's more to the story, but when I came home um, after taking that leap of faith, I came home to 37 assets in my inbox that next week. The difference, Michael, was is I didn't clarify where at in Florida. So these properties were all over the state of Florida. Yep. Miami, places I didn't even know existed in the rural parts of, you know, Florida, yep. Jacksonville, Northern Florida, Central Florida, the, the sticks. I said, oh my God, they gave me a lot of business, but it's all over the state. So overnight, I had to build teams in other markets overnight. I had to hire people who would rekey for me, people who would do property inspections. I had to hire people who would help me um, value the property, do the BPOs. And it was overnight because I had a choice either to say, sorry, I don't service that area or yep. I'm going to service that area. I'm going to figure this out and I'm going to build one of the strongest teams in REOs overnight because this is what I asked for. And it taught me how to build teams overnight. I made a lot of mistakes, but it was one of the best professional experiences I ever had and challenges that led me to becoming what I believe a very passionate team leader. Um, and, and it was a lot of fun then, and it's still a lot of fun building teams. You know what it was? It's, it's the idea of looking at and exploiting opportunities, yes. right? where there were because i i was in production at during the, the the downturn too in miami in the luxury market which was done at that point you know we went from an average sales price of seven million dollars on my team to like nothing right yeah. and so my background was in banking as you know and so we've pivoted really quickly and during that time because a lot of people remember we've been in the industry 20 years there have been people who only know a very strong market they have never, ever, ever lived a down market. And we'll be talking about that in a minute. But what was interesting was that you needed to pivot. And so I actually went back to my banking contacts and they were creating, I'm sure you remember what were called vulture funds. Mm -hmm. And you would go in and you would buy what you were selling, right? In bulk. So you would buy the inventory in bulk. But the way that I got that, was because I had a client that was referred to me and they wanted to buy the penthouse at the St. Regis in Val Harbor. I remember this. And so his wife fell in love with the property. And I said to them, it's overpriced in this market, don't do it. And so the guy looks at me and he says, are you talking yourself out of a six figure commission in the worst market ever? And I said, because it's not right for you. And he said to me, do you know what I do? And I said, I know you're in finance. And so he says, I run one of the largest vulture funds. It's an $8 billion fund. I'd like to put you on retainer. He hired me at lunch on retainer to be able to get the inventory to him first based on his parameters. We wrote so many contracts. That's when I created my team. So that's why your story resonates with me because it's the idea of opportunity. And that's what we need to sort of really talk about, but really sort of like on that sense of team, tell me how you motivate your team, because you know what I think is so beautiful. I've been around your team so much. Mm -hmm. Your husband is like my brother. I love him. And, but your team, your team loves you. Your team is family to you. And that is so rare because there's a lot of teams out there. You know, we've been in this industry a long time. When we start looking at something and you see the love and respect and collaboration that happens with the people that surround you, 
How do you motivate your team? Oh, so I think I said this um, on stage with Venus, right? Leadership is my love language. Um, And I've learned that love can, can move people. And for a long time, I used to lead my team, probably like most people did, you know, with what was in it for me, you know, close a deal. Um, I can't believe these people aren't, you know, working hard. Um, And I realized that that was not, that was not love. That was not leadership. So I haven't always been the leader that I am today. It took a lot of personal development. It took a lot of understanding. It took a lot of uh, discovery, self-discovery. But who I am today as a leader is who I know I am in the core. I love people. I want to see people reach their goals. I want to see them reach their dreams. And um, I lean into uh, what that vulnerability might look like. So for me, you know, when I when I get to work with my team, the team that you've met, we yes. have cried together, we hug, we have laughed together, we have had to have difficult conversations, we have had to, um, you know, really push each other to the next level. I have people on my team who've been in my world for 13 years. They've wow. seen the, the not so sexy version of Veronica to this new version of Veronica. They've grown with me, we've grown together. Um, I have people who've been on my team five years, six years, three years, two years, and even two to three years, a lot has changed. But the way I motivate them, and I, I think we motivate each other, we inspire each other to get better every single day. Um, we hold each other accountable. And I think, um, you know, people probably are, are tired of hearing me say this, is that accountability is the highest form of love. Yes. If, if we can lead and motivate each other and inspire each other by holding each other accountable, by doing what we say we're going to do, by being committed to becoming a better version of ourselves, everything else falls into place. You're going to do what you say you're going to do. I know that I can lean into it and I can say, hey, Michael, what got in the way? And because my team genuinely knows I care of, hey, you've met Harold. Harold, hey, what's going on? Like, how can I support you? And he says to me, hey, Veronica, I want a pathway of growth, but it's not that I want to sell another home. What's next for me? And then I ask, you know, what is that? What is he really telling me? Does he want more money? Does he want to feel fulfilled? So my motivation with them is just leaning in and being super curious as to what's important to them. What is important? It can't just be the Veronica show. And and actually, I tell them it's no longer about me. I'm just the mascot, right? They're the true leaders. So the fact that I've been able to find out what what makes you happy, what makes you tick, um, and then I'm committed to helping you get there. And, and you know what's long, interesting to me is that you don't even name your team after yourself. It's the fitting uh, team, yeah. right? And so it's just sort of like, that's anything, that's anyone. It's ownership of anyone. You make it about community. Yep. And Fig, you know, it's funny. We, it stems off of Figueroa, but it got, course, yeah. you know, we have a long name and it's a little complicated and everybody would call us Fig Team anyways. We would nickname ourselves. And it's funny because we play on words. So it's family, innovation, and growth. Wow. Um, We have a little bit also of a little different acronyms that were like family inspiration and growth. Like if I'm not inspiring you to grow, then I failed you as a leader. If I'm not inspiring you to become bigger than me, then I have failed you as a leader. Um, And, and, you know, I get Monday mornings on my huddle. Um, I'm assigned Monday mornings and fire Fridays. And I am, I get the fun part. I get to inspire them. I get to talk to them about 
the future and 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 making sure that we show up as the best version of myself. And yeah. I think you know, I I quit drinking and I started um, eating really clean and working on my nutrition. Now people on my team are working on their nutrition. They're working on you know salvaging relationships, working on their finances, working on their health. So you ask me how I motivate them. I just want to show up a better person and they end up feeding off of each other's energy. And now we're example. an unstoppable team. And, you know, yeah. the thing on our team is that if someone is out of alignment and someone is out of culture, my leadership team is empowered to make the decision to part ways with that person because we protect our culture over everything. So we are so committed to, to being this united front that it's no longer dependent on Veronica. So Veronica is not the only one who motivates the team. Veronica just simply yes. be the one that cast that initial vision. Um, so and, yeah, long way there. That's sort of like, you know, it's, it, and I think that's why we connect so well because it is so the spirit of how I've seen the whole EXP project and the growth. It is not about any of us. It's about what we're doing for others. And if there's a blockage in helping others, then that blockage needs to be removed because the end result of helping others is not being met. And I, so when you sort of see it in that sort of Zen spiritual moment, it's like you're here to be a humble servant to other people, which you do so well. And yeah, and I mean, I, I, I want to come across, obviously I'm very heart centered, but they also know that when mama bear comes out, she means business. I know it. I know it. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. But listen, I want to ask you something. So you've just sort of said you motivate really by example and doing what you've done and how you, what you continue to do. You're also one of the top coaches in the country, but you're also one that opens your heart and you're very coachable. And you told me the other day, you have several coaches. So those to me are the best coaches. You know, I started this podcast because I was mentoring so many people and I wanted to sort of get out there and try to do more and get more messages out. And I said, I've been in this industry for almost 20 years. What better way than to just sort of go and interview my friends around the world and share their stories of inspiration. So it's that idea that you're trying to sort of do more. And so I also have my own business coaches and I know you do. So tell me about that. Oh yeah. So I've had a coach since um, 2014 um 2014 15 actually one of my reo um accounts bubba mills i don't know if you know who bubba mills is oh. who worked for corcoran consulting but he was really big in the reo market um he was one of my asset managers or he led keystone at the time and or one of those companies i don't remember but he took me under his wing and he pretty much you know gave me an opportunity then I saw that he went to start coaching with Corcoran Consulting and someone that I actually look up to. And this is a tip that I recommend for anybody. Like if you look up to someone and you admire what they've done or you aspire to be like them, look at what they're doing. Yes. Mom, you know, look at their behaviors. And I noticed that Andrew Duncan, which I, I've got to give Andrew credit. He's a, an amazing team leader and broker out at Remax. Um, at the time I was a Remax broker owner. I owned a Remax franchise. And I said, man, I'm so inspired by what they're doing. And I saw that he was coaching with Corcoran Consultant. And I saw that Bubba Mills was one of the coaches there. Well, Bubba had been a longtime friend for, from the REO market. And I decided to pick up the phone and call him. I said, Bubba, I see what you're doing with some of these agents that I look up to. Um, some of them are in my market. One was in Tampa and the other one was Andre Bustamante, who um, is a good friend of mine as well. And I said, 
I want to get in that room. And he says, well, Veronica, you got to be one of our coaching clients. I said, what does that look like? And talk about opportunity. And I was, it was a December call. I'll never forget. Um, They were having a mastermind the very next day. He says, I will get you a ticket to come into the mastermind if you're truly committed. He says, I will know if you're truly committed if you show up tomorrow here in New Orleans. Wow. I hung up the phone. I called Tony. I said, do you remember Bubba Mills? He was like, of course. I said, he's coaching with corporate consultant. I needed help with operations coaching at the time. I was a hot mess. I could sell real estate, but now my team was growing to the point where I lacked standards. I lacked accounting. I lacked operations. And I was just messy in that area of my life. And they had a strong operations coaching program. And I told Tony, I was like, we need to get into that room. And Tony said, let's go look for a flight. We booked a flight. We were in New Orleans the next day and I decided to hire them right there on the spot. But what I loved about that um, coaching platform was that I noticed instantly that they were doing more than just coaching you operations. They were coaching you on leadership. They were teaching husband and wives how to work together as a team. And at that time I had found the tribe that I'd been looking for and they welcomed me with open arms. And um, we started coaching with them. We started implementing. We started, you know, being one thing is hiring a coach. The other thing was being coachable. And I'll never yes. forget Bob Corcoran said to me, I don't think you're coachable. He says, I think you talk too much. I think you're not coachable. And I don't think you're going to listen. I said, put me in coach. I said, I'm going to show you I can. And we ended up being one of the top successful teams that came through that network. Um, so I coached with them for almost two and a half years. Um, then I shifted to Mike Ferry because I had kind of felt like I mastered the operation side or had, you know, obviously gotten the hang of it. And then I wanted to build out one of the strongest listing teams in the country. So started um, coaching with Mike Ferry and his team. And then thereafter took a break. And then I found John Cheplak, who's my current coach today. And when I met that guy at a Vegas conference, I knew in that moment, Tony and I, you know, again, we, we agree on a lot of things, but like anyone like husband and wife, we don't agree on everything, but we looked at each other and he said, we need to hire that guy. He says, you need to hire that guy. I was like, he's a little intimidating, but I said, if you believe it, I love that guy. You know, the other thing is he wasn't cheap, but Tony says, we can't afford not to hire him. Um, And at that point we were at a completely different level of our growth. So I think it's okay to change coaches and have different seasons. Um, I went from operations coaching to sales coaching to then leadership coaching. When I got John, I got leadership coaching and I've been with him for four years. And the first six months felt like therapy. Um, But then after that, it was like, okay, I am ready to get to work. And he has been my leadership coach. I also have an operations coach, Mike Gerbic, who's one of our top leaders at EXP as well. Um, He built out an amazing um, operations to where they sold over 7,500 homes. So I have John Cheplak for a leadership coach. I have Mike Gerbic as our operations coach and Mike coaches my team. So I invest in coaching for my team as well. So I believe so much in coaching that I don't have any of my leaders not participate in some sort of coaching. So That's yeah, powerful. I'm a huge coaching That's fan. That's powerful. Um, so. so tell me what the greatest lesson you've learned thus far in your career. Oh gosh. Uh, okay. it's, it's crazy. Um, and again, I don't know the audience that listens to this, but I will say this. I think this applies to everyone. For me, the greatest lesson was that all the change that I ever wanted was within me. 
All that. the change that I ever wanted was within me. It wasn't the market. It wasn't because an agent left me and walked out the door. It wasn't because, you know, it wasn't an employee who, let's say, took our ideas and went and, you know, gave it to a competitor or, or started a business, you know, around what we taught them. None of that. Yeah. Everything lied within me. How was I showing up to the world? How was I showing up as a leader? How was I treating my people? How was I responding to certain things that happened to me? So in, en in the end, we all have the power to reach our goals and, and, and become the person we want. We just have to make the choice. And are we willing to take personal responsibility for those things? Now that I look back, and I used to be the one like, can you believe these people did this to me? Or can you believe these people weren't, you know, weren't grateful for this? And now I look, I'm like, Veronica, that was all a reflection of you, yeah. your leadership at the time, how you were showing up to the world. So if you want to make any change, you have to change you from within. How do you want to show up as a leader? So I think sometimes we avoid difficult conversations, Michael, right? You're really yeah, good at this, right? Sometimes as a human being, we avoid difficult conversations. Yeah. I was the person that I would avoid them. And then I realized all of the bad things that have happened in my business, all of the things that could have been resolved, it was solely my fault because I was not willing to have those difficult conversations because it was playing out in my head like, you know, what if they get mad? Well, in the end, they would get mad anyways because we avoided exactly. a conversation that needed to yeah. have anyway. And you so, avoided it, right. Yeah, and um, so I just go back to saying, everything lies within you. You know what you should be doing. You know what needs to happen. It's just a matter of you choosing to do it. So choice management, the power lies within you. Um, whatever you want to accomplish in life is within you. It's no one else's fault. No one else's, you know, you can't blame anyone else. It starts with you. And I know it might sound a little generic to people, but if they understand that and they can understand how deep that is, everything begins to start to change in their life. And remember, you receive the message when you're supposed to. Yes. So the people that are listening to this, that this will impact is when they were ready for the message. Yeah, thank you. So tell me how you found EXP, the goddess of EXP. Oh, so, um, <laughs> EXP was presented to me um, by a friend and I wasn't ready. I mean, I was I was obviously in a Remax. I was at a Remax and, and they weren't presented to me. They, you know, we were just in casual conversation. Yeah. I heard about it. Actually, one of our agents left to EXP. She left Remax at the time to go to EXP. And I had heard in conversation something about EXP and I said, tell me more about that company, that EXP thing. We just lost an agent to EXP. I have no idea about their model. And yep. she was super excited about it. And I was like, oh, okay, well, that's not for me, you know? And, um, but secretly, <laughs> secretly, I had some friends that were from Zillow, a Zillow advisory board that I knew. And I had already been sitting on their advisory board who went to go work for EXP corporate. Wow. So I, um, I picked up the phone without anyone telling me to, and I called a friend and I was like, tell me about this company, because if I'm a franchise owner, I, or a broker owner, I want to know what my comp competition is doing. So we would know what Caldwell Banker was doing. We knew what all the other companies were doing, and we would build scripts around it as to why not to join those companies. So I needed one for EXP. I needed to know, cause I had already lost an agent to EXP yeah. and they were like, oh yeah, this is the information of the company, you know, as a good broker owner, you should know what the com competitors are doing. So I was like, yeah, tell me everything I need to know about the company. So when I started hearing about it, I was like, what? Like, <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> I'm like, this is crazy. I was like, is this real? 
And um, so that happened, but I was like, okay, how do I build a script to go against ESP? Yeah. And then I um, witnessed Glenn at an Inman conference. I don't think he knew this at the time, but I was sitting at a round table. And at the time the iBuyers were really popular. It was coming out, we had tested it. And the Brad Inman was, you know, really, really interested in learning more about me, about how I decided to partner with Zillow in the iBuyer program. And I was at the broker track and, and the CEO track, one of the broker tracks. And then Glenn was there. Here you are, the CEO of this a company that's growing that at the time was taking a lot of bullets. You know, people were like, yeah. who's this company? And he was so humble. He was yes. so humble, yet so inspiring at the time. And I'm hearing him and I'm watching him lean into a conversation with an agent and I'm just observing. Yeah. And I remember saying, that is someone I would love to work with. Yeah. And that was kind of like secretly within my heart. Um, but again, I couldn't. So um, a few years later, I had an opportunity to sell my franchise. Someone who wanted to open their own Remax franchise and they were in my office. So I said, have you ever thought about what buying this franchise would look like? And wow. they were like, you would sell me this? Now, mind you, we had one of the top Remax offices in the in our market yeah. and we had a great location. And I said, you know what? I've made the conscious decision that maybe this isn't for me. I don't want to be the broker wow. anymore. I said, but I want to make sure that if I do sell this office, because it means a lot to me and there's a lot of people here who count on me that yeah. I sell it to the right person. And she was an agent who was a top producer in my office. She was super compliant. She's got an amazing heart. She ended up buying it and it's she's still the broker amazing almost three years she's doing an amazing job um and i took the leap of faith and i sold it to her because i couldn't get exp out of my mind wow and but i wanted to do it the right way you know sure. i had to make sure my obligations were taken care of so i sold my franchise to um the current broker owner of remax innovation um the brokerage will now celebrate 10 years and they're doing great they're an amazing friend of the business oh. Um, and, um, in June of 2019, I was able to join EXP. It has been life-changing. It's been 26 months, uh, 27 months, 28 months, something like that. Um, and it's been absolutely life-changing. I had an amazing career at Remax. I had an amazing career prior to Remax, but I can never say that it changed my life the way EXP has the family, the friends, the collaboration, the partnerships, the opportunities, um, are priceless, priceless. Yes. Aside yep. from the production and the money and yep. this or that, it's the relationships, the intangibles that unless you, you know, you know, once you see it, you can't unsee it. And once, and unless you're in, sometimes you just can't experience it. You got to just it. understand that it's inside of here. So come on over and, and experience what we're experiencing. You know, it's sort of like, and I say that I worked for another company for 15 years and I've been here for a year and a half and it really, I've never in the 15 years that I spent at the other company ever heard somebody say that that company changed their life. And I heard that from day one here. And at first I'm like, what is this Kool-Aid that everyone's drinking? Yep. But then when you realize the amount, I mean, I've sort of said it's a movement. It's not about us any longer. Yep. It's about impacting the change that we're doing on this earth. And it's a big, bold statement to say we're a real estate company. But to say that and to know what, what we know on the inside and what that goal is, it's just a privilege to really be a part of that and to be in partnership with you. But I have one final question for you. What's that? In your book of life, what <laughs> is this chapter called, Veronica? 
Oh, I think I have two books in life. <laughs> you know, I've been writing a book for a while and um, I wasn't ready to put it out because I don't think it was the best version of me. But I think now it's it's time to finalize it. And it's it's kind of corny. It's called The Queen of Teams. Um, but now that we really do have this new love for leadership and discovered who I truly am, I would say more of an awakening leadership, you know, journey, um, the awakening of Veronica, maybe his leadership or her heart, <laughs> right? I finally was given permission to just show up mm. as a true, authentic leader that I am and no longer hold back, no longer just feel like I had to fit in. And I love the fact that a dear friend of mine said to me um, over six years ago, he says, we're going to unbox. We're going to unbox. So I would probably say um, unboxing. I love that. Yeah. Veronica Figueroa, thank you so much for being who you are, for being an amazing leader, for being an amazing spirit you know, from day one, really early on, you were one of the first people to pick up the phone when I came to EXP. And it's been a beautiful friendship that's grown into family. And you, again, from the beginning that I said, you open your heart, you open your family, you open your team. And, you know, we've, we've, we've traveled together, we've broken bread together, we've, we've sort of like shared together. And you are an amazing leader. I consider you my little sister. I consider oh, you like you. My, my family. And I thank you so much for inspiring so much on this podcast today. Thank you for who you are. Thank you. And we're just getting started. I, can't I know <laughs> everything that we do now, not just in the U.S. and in, in the Caribbean globally, right? And touching lives all over the country and helping people reach these dreams. So this is just the beginning, my friend. It's just the beginning. And thank you for all of you for listening. This has been the Global Luxury Real Estate Mastermind with me, your host, Michael Valdez.